Welcome to Gameology episode 18. We're talking about meaningful choice. I'm one of your hosts, Matt. And I'm Attila Gabriel Brunieski of Bluish Green Productions. And when we were thinking about what would be a good topic, I was really excited that you put down meaningful choice. One, because it obviously works well with episode 17, like you had mentioned. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that meaningful choice is, is just about everything in a game and is one of the main problems I have with a lot of games recently, where if I think if you remove the element of meaningful choice, you end up with a game that feels like it's holding your hand throughout. If I play a game and I can spam one button and never think about it, that's a big problem. Um, and you want to feel like you're involved without that meaningful choice. You might as well just be watching a film or a TV show. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two ways to sort of make choices not feel meaningful. There's the way in where you have choices that are too obvious, where it's like, well, you can pick option A, which does 50 damage, or you can pick option B, which does 25, and might do five more. It's like, I'll go with option A then. Right. Um, but or, like you were just saying there, if you gambled it so that it might do less, but it might do twice as much, yes. then that's a, that's that's a fine it's choice. That's a more meaningful choice, yeah. Um, and then, you know, you the problem with that situation is that you can still sort of math you can still math it out. You yeah. can still think of like, well, if this does a guaranteed X amount of damage and this does um, this much damage, and then you know you do that little bit of probability math and you say, okay, multiply the percentage of how much this does versus what the odds of that happening are, and you get the average damage of that attack. And then is the average better or worse? Well, if the average is better, then you pick that option. If the average is worse, you pick option A. But sure, it's, I mean, if you just look at gambling and odds, it's really easy for a designer or developer to make it so that they're all equally risk reward. Yeah, and you, the 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 better choices are ones which cater to player um, like the the play style, like the way you want to play the game. Where the, numerically they actually shake out to be the same. So different scenarios might have um, better or worse uses of the same uh, options. Um, but then the other way that you can kind of like ruin choice is by having too many options. Okay, like if you, if you have. Um, you know, it, the choice choice is exhausting. Um, having to pick between too many different things, you're effectively weighing all those options in your mind. Right. And we can only weigh so many things against one another before we start to, you know, kind of melt down or just at the very least slow down. And that's not what you want to have in a game where you're demanding something of the player's reaction time. Yeah, I'm, I immediately think of starting off at a character build screen. Oh, yeah. And how many... Because... You're, you're, if it's a if it's an RPG and you're mm -hmm. building your character from scratch, you're gonna have to look at them and deal with them for who knows forty to eighty hours. Um, sometimes I, I feel like the meaningful choices that come at the beginning of a game. Do you want to be this kind of character, or this kind of character? Whether it's actually and it's going to actually affect your play style. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what the game is. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. This doesn't make any sense. Why don't you let me play as a very generic vanilla character? And, and then, then specialize. Yeah, and then add that. And that's what we end up seeing a lot of the time is perks and upgrades and evolving your character and making those choices uh in deus ex human revolution they had a limited amount of paraxis points they were called and you could gain special abilities from that but you couldn't you could never collect enough to get everything and mm -hmm. that would influence your playstyle. and it, and it actually because of those choices being so meaningful it meant that i did something i don't do in a lot of games and i would explore every nook and cranny of that game and climbed up ladders and into air vents because i wanted to find those precious little points or whatever money is to get more choices yeah and then you know in the, in the same way you mentioned is like when you when you start a game and they say like oh pick between these different character classes this is going to define the rest of your experience 
even though even though like if if you encounter that same choice slightly later or so at some point down the road in the game then it is a more meaningful choice because it is an informed choice if you just you know walk up to somebody and say hey pick one of these two things and they know nothing about it they have no context that is not as meaningful of a choice because you don't you can't properly weigh those two things in your mind you have no way of comparing them yeah, it's like asking somebody to vote and they don't know who these people are, mm-hmm. which a lot of people... They do anyway. Yeah, they're not an uninformed vote. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're looking at going back to, say, uh, let's go real simple. A game like Mario, a game like Galaga, Space Defender. Go back to the beginning. You're choosing when to dodge, when to shoot uh, to keep yourself alive, for sure. But uh, in Mario... Um, extra credits had a great point about it where they said the mushroom in mario is one of the most important meaningful choices because you want it to gain that extra hit of damage but it's putting you it could put you into danger because the mushroom is running away from you it's heading towards a pit uh other things in mario like running to evade some enemies but you're now at more of a risk because the screen and the enemies coming at you are now moving at a faster rate so your reflexes need to be up a little higher yeah and there's you know Basically, anytime like a choice is made more meaningful by how much context the player is given for making that choice, and also by how much the developers actually invested in the uh, the different options. Like if you have a, a dialogue choice, and we were sort of touching on this a bit in the previous episode on narrative, um, where the you know you pick between one of three or so different options, and you just have like the character says one thing or another and then people just kind of shrug it off and keep going. Or, you know, in a lot of text adventure games, you have a lot of quote-unquote choices, but a lot of those choices just kill off the player. They just lead to right. dead ends. None of those are really meaningful choices because they just kind of terminate in- instantly. And there's only one right answer in, in that moment. You want it to have um, more than one right answer and otherwise you're not really making a choice at all. Yeah. And when you go to make those choices, you, you have like the different pros and cons. And then on top of that, you can even have like an additional layer of like morality associated with a lot of the like some of the most meaningful choices I faced when I was playing through the Mass Effect games. And there were decisions that were just like, oh, you know, Paragon, Renegade, Paragon, Renegade, Paragon, Renegade. Oh, what do I want to do here? Oh, see, I should do that. And because of this reason and the oh, but then doing that would be bad for this reason. And like when, when, when something actually has like true pros and cons is not just like one clearly good option, one clearly bad option. Anytime it can like really make you like sit back and think of like, wow, what would be the better thing to do here? That is a fantastic moment of choice. That, like, some developers like knocked it out of the park at that point. Cause they, they've given you a moment where it's actually to make you like sit back and think and contemplate your choices. You know, <laughs> it's something that comes up, reasonably often in real life especially as you get older but when you know you can have more control over your own life but in the course of a game choices are finite you know in 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 the real world obviously there's like some limit to what you can do some limits to what you're capable of but you still have like relative control over what you choose to do in your day-to-day life but in a in a game the developers can only offer so many choices so when they make those like hard to distinguish between hard to um, you know, they, they give that, that that layer of morality where like you think something is good for one reason, but it's going to have a negative consequence, and it's bad for another reason, but it's going to have another good consequence. That layering makes a choice much more interesting in a, in a narrative sense. 
Yeah, you want to have it so that the if you break it down to the mechanics of it, that you could you could go either way. But the part that is that is changing is uh, is more your opinion on it and your personal thoughts with it. I mean, with Mass Effect, it makes a lot of sense, and it's a great captain simulator because any leader needs to be the person making the tough decisions. It's not easy. They have to choose between maybe equally uh, pros and cons worth of decisions. I was I was playing uh, Life is Strange and there's a lot of choice in that game and sometimes the choice is handled very poorly where you don't, you don't have enough information to know what's going to happen and you might choose that and then a player dies but you had no mm. idea that was going to happen and um I don't think that really works but there are some other decisions in that game that are my favorite that I've seen in a game in the last few years. I'm not going to spoil anything, but it makes the game worth playing. And even though the decision was so monumental and made me think about life and what I would do in a similar situation, um, it didn't really it didn't affect the actual progress of the game at all. Mm-hmm. And if you can sneak that in in a way that doesn't mean you have to you don't have to make an entirely different path of the game for someone to follow just because they did this choice, that is done pretty well. Yeah, I, I think like any situation where you have some sort of moral gray area where there isn't just like option A, option B, it's going to be a more interesting choice just because like, you know, how often in real life do things actually collapse to two simple sided um, questions or answers like that? You know, and, the, and a lot of games like Mass Effect have just a good option and a bad option, and a good guy or evil thing to say. But, you know, when you have uh, in a more realistic scenario, you're likely to have um, more than just two choices. You might be able to find some sort of compromise, some sort of middle ground. You might be able to suggest things that even if there are like two sides bearing down on you, you might be able to choose um, multiple compromise possibilities that will make one that will placate both sides in some way. It isn't always possible, but Again, with a binary morality system, you just sort of limit yourself to a hard two choices. And I've been playing Persona, and what makes that game interesting is that um, when it comes to the more difficult enemies, you can't just... In a lot of RPGs, this guy's my attacker, and he's always going to attack, and this person's always going to heal, and this one's going to do support or whatever. But in that game, they're all all somewhat um, similar, but you have a lot of customization, but they're... If you just spam an attack and you haven't thought about the strategy, you will lose, like I've done many, many times to some of these uh, temple bosses. Mm-hmm. And that's where it makes it interesting is that you have to make an important choice. You have to do a little bit of detective work and you need to pick which one of these attacks. And I think the best designed ones, you don't want it to feel like there's only one solution, mm-hmm. like uh, Sticker Star. Yeah, where it doesn't exactly. matter how smart you are, you need that one sticker. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like most of the time in Persona, there's a couple of different ways you could go about it and and different ways you could get to that solution because you have total control. You have a lot of control over how you customize your characters. I mean, we look at Final Fantasy VII with Materia. You can give that to any character and you can do some really interesting combinations. Um, we see that with uh, Bethesda games where especially the Elder Scrolls series, I mean, they almost encourage you to break the system of the game by leveling up certain skills to whatever and combining them and enchanting weapons. And those are really interesting choices because you can completely impact the challenge of it and come up with, you can create your own solution. And I think that's that's what people want to see in games. Yeah, I mean, like, one of the key aspects of maintaining a meaningful choice in games is maintaining balance in a game. 
if you have a situation where you're just sort of dropped in and you have to like a lot a lot of games ha- are adopting this kind of like hunger game style uh gameplay to them and i really don't like that like i would never play that kind of thing because then it just feels like okay well i landed here and i found a bow and no arrows and that guy found like an ak-47 and this is not a fair fight um if somehow you could guarantee a situation where everything was balanced, where everyone had access to the same like items and equipment, then you start to have like the sort of choice between those different pieces of items and equipment and like how you use them, how you implement them. And that's where the sort of more meaningful choices start to shake out. If you can only, you know, if you're, if you're sort of working like a hand to mouth kind of thing, you know, you don't have a choice in what you are given. You're just, you know, you have to take what you get because there's no choice there. The bow is all you found. Um, whereas if you if you play a more refined game, like a first-person shooter game, then it's more likely to have um, like equal loadouts. Like all the players start with the same items. Like I, I really love um, Halo for that reason because in the, the latest iteration, at least Halo Five, all players start with the same equipment, and then in the competitive part of the game, you know, you just have to run around the map and grab the power weapons as necessary but those power weapons are still balanced against one another um like uh you you probably prefer to have a rocket launcher than you would a pistol but the rockets only got a limited number of shots and if you don't make those connect uh or you can dodge out of the way of those rockets whereas the pistol is a uh, what's called a hit scan weapon which means the second you pull the trigger it immediately does a collision check and it will peg an opponent duck on um, style yeah and that what that means is that your because your pistol has more ammo and effectively better range than the rocket launcher. Um, if I were in it for the long term, I would choose the pistol uh, over the rocket launcher. Maybe not me personally because I don't I'm not very good at aiming. Right. Rocket launcher is kind of like a you know aim in this general direction and fire at the ground, not in the air because then you know you're likely to dodge out of the way if you fire at the ground. Splash damage kills the player, um, but you know, it's not to say exactly that the the pistol and the rocket launcher are on the same level, but each has its own pros and cons, and that makes it much more interesting than if just like rocket launcher always beats pistol no matter what. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think of Overwatch and how there is a lot of choices, definitely in the character selection. Um, I mean, some characters. That, that's really what makes that game work is that mm-hmm. it's all about balancing it in a way that uh, with enough skill you could make this work, but. You have a lot of rock, paper, scissors happening, and that that sort of stops anything from feeling too cheap. The, if one person picks a, a character that you feel is so good at defending, there should be some sort of counter to that. But if you bring that in, it's like what we saw with you know, RTS games. It's the metagame. It's reacting. Yeah. It's being able to switch your character between deaths, right? Because um, I haven't actually played Overwatch as much. Oh, and you, and you can, uh, yeah, sure. Between deaths, for sure. Yeah. Um, so it just... It, the. That, and that's another aspect of the sort of more like meaningful choice is like being able to sort of actively balance the game, not being locked into any single choice because you're always able to switch out to a different character class and react to like how the other team has, um, you know, whatever they're doing. And then, you know, of, of course, like your teammates are reacting and you're reacting and you get this constant cycle of like action reaction. And that's, that's much more interesting, much more fluid than if everyone was just sort of, was just sort of like, I don't know, locked in from the very start. Right. You know, switching over to um, the RPG side of things, mm-hmm. and what I really loved about the Elder Scrolls games, especially Morrowind, was um, how they give you 
different choices to uh, to join these different guilds, uh, and seeing that the the actions you take, where some of them are mutually exclusive, uh, and seeing that affect the actual narrative of the world, where the game has a linear story, of mm -hmm. course, but what really makes this game magical is all the side crap that you can do, and being able to choose where you go, and I mean. A game like that, like we mentioned earlier in the last episode about Dark Souls and the Vendors, where you can kill, and more when you could, you could kill mm -hmm. almost anybody, and the game would let you know, do you want to kill this character? That's a bad idea. Yeah, this is an endgame character. Whereas we're seeing later on, they're taking that power away from you, where mm -hmm. if a character is needed for this game to progress, they become invulnerable, which can be very uh, immersion-breaking. But like we saw with, uh, I mean, Dark Souls does it brilliantly, where... If you leave this character alive, they'll be there as a vendor or an mm -hmm. upgrade system or whatever. But you could kill them, and you can steal a really nice weapon that they might have, or a really nice item. And that's sort of a short-term gain versus a long-term. And that's, I mean, you could sort of break down the numbers and see like, well, I'll end up getting more attack power if I just stick with them. But mm -hmm. it's, it's nice that that option is in there and the game doesn't hold your hand in that way. Yeah, it is a very, like, actually meaningful choice. And like... um one of the things that just sort of reminded me when you're talking about like role-playing game sort of things is like the way you encounter gear. Like when you, when you find a piece of equipment, um, you're already wearing something. Like when you're wearing nothing, it's like, okay, that's better. Um, but when you're wearing something that is in, in a game where things are like almost too perfectly balanced, believe right. it or not, there is such a thing. Um, if you are wearing a piece of gear and then you find a new piece of gear, but that piece of gear that you've just found is like equivalent balance to what you're currently wearing um it becomes a question of play style but then sometimes it can be just a sort of like devil you know devil you don't kind of scenario where right. like well i'm already wearing this piece of gear and it's pretty nice that it gives me x benefit and this gear piece of gear gives me y benefit but i've never used it before so in the inventory not using it right and, and we've seen with you know in rpg systems that you go every town has a complete set of new armor and and uh, and items that and weapons that are immediately better. Whereas it's it gets interesting if they have maybe around the same attack power, but say this one. What if one made you attack a little bit quicker, or or was good against fire, or was good against water? Once you start throwing those in there, um, you have to make some harder choices. I mean, eventually, I guess it breaks down to just well, you just keep them all and then mm -hmm. you equip with whatever you can when yeah. you're attacking different enemies but to get something that's very specialized or something that's more of a general use but that that is the nice thing about sort of like seeing all the armor in the shop at once as opposed to just encountering one piece of gear at a time it's just then you actually get to see okay these two pieces of gear are both better than what i have now but this has this benefit and this has that benefit and then you get to make you know a more meaningful choice about which one of those you choose to pursue Probably more based on your play style, maybe based on a bit of experimentation, um, but in in one way, one form or fashion, it's just it's it's better than just sort of finding one random piece which may or may not be better than what you already have equipped. Yeah, I, th I think one one game that uh, spectacularly failed, uh, and I think I mentioned this last time, it was, it was uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution. Mm -hmm. They sourced out the boss battles to a different yeah. company. And this is a game that is famous for having multiple ways of playing. Oh, do you want to be stealthy? Do you want to hack computers? Do you want to be a shooter? Do you want to be non-lethal? But there is no stealthy way to take down these enemies, and there's no non-lethal way to take down the bosses. Mm -hmm. And it screwed up the balance of it so bad that I love that game, played it on hard or normal or whatever, but every time I got to the bosses, you have to whack it down to easy just to get through it. They tried to fix that a bit in the director's cut, but it still goes against the grain of it, and it's because they're married to this old idea of having 
bosses in a game that really might not need them at all. Mm -hmm. And you're just removing that choice from players. Yeah. So ultimately, um, you know, we're in sort of in summary of what we've been discussing yeah. today, just the idea that you're constantly confronted by choice in games. Like that, that is the nature of an interactive medium is that you are, you're getting to make choices as you go. But if these choices are like too obvious or too similar to one another, it's not actually meaningful. Whereas, you know, the most interesting gameplay experiences we're going to have are when two things are when two things like aren't just a, it's not a simple math equation is to figure out like which one of two things is better. That's right. Well, that was episode 18, all about meaningful choice. You can find this on iTunes or podcast places called Gameology, YouTube under the 90s kid YouTube channel, also called Gameology. You can find me on Twitter at Game Thing Talk and Attila. You can follow me on Twitter at Bluish Green Pro, or you can check out my website, bluishgreenproductions.com, where you can check out my extended thoughts on the things we discuss on the podcast, as well as submit user feedback, questions, comments, anything, if you want us to read it aloud or answer on the show. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.